Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome back to Believe in FSU Football. This is your host, Robbie Bagnardi. With each passing week, the show title gets a little more ironic because it gets that much harder to believe in FSU football. So Wake Forest recap after another tough and ugly loss for FSU to Wake Forest, who moved to 3-0, and FSU dropped to 0-3 for the first time since 1976, which was Bobby Bowden's first year as the head coach of the Seminoles. So it's been a minute since we've been this bad. After the Notre Dame game, everything was looking up, and it could not have been more on the other side of things. Just nosedive. Came out flat against Jacksonville State. Everybody knows what's happened on the last play. And then to follow up, FSU goes to Wake Forest and is just flat and just so many mistakes. Turnovers, penalties, just... Not not things that you see from a winning winning football team because FSU very much had shots to stay in this game and win it thirty five to fourteen and FSU got out gained and FSU got out gained by Wake Forest four eighty four to three seventeen. Wake Forest was on the field for considerably more plays. The six turnovers had a lot to do with that. The time of possession, Wake Forest, 39 minutes, 13 seconds to FSU's 2047. So Wake Forest had the ball for like two-thirds of the game. I mean, that's that's a lot of pressure on the defense. Quite honestly, only giving up 35, being on the field that much isn't even that bad, especially because one of them was a long touchdown. Uh, just guy got burned. Secondary struggled in man coverage. It'll be interesting to see how they try to remedy that because it's been a reoccurring theme through all three games that our corners can't really seem to line up in man-to-man and and take guys out of the play. So probably going to have to transition back to more zone coverage, which we saw last year, a lot of soft zone, and we just didn't stop people when we were in that. But it looks like it's going to be more of the same this year because our guys like can't hack it outside one-on-one. Wake Forest is a good team. They have a very tough RPO game to handle. Um, if you watch a game, RG3 is awful as his commentary was and backhanded against FSU for whatever reason. Actually did a good job breaking it down and how Wake Forest used their delay and the quarterback would essentially keep the ball in the stomach of the running back and wait and wait and wait before he pulls it and makes the read. Uh, that was tough to handle. Uh, Wake Forest running backs did a really good job of being patient before hitting the hole. Quarterback did a good job extending plays and running when it was there. But for a lot of the game, the defense was tired. I mean, being on the field that much, and in every <laughs> the two times that they did force turnovers, the offense immediately, immediately gave the ball back. It essentially negates the turnover, you know, all for not just – not not good things. Offensive, the defense, no favors. Defense didn't play great. They gave up chunk plays, gave up big plays. But had they been able to, A, 
get off the field by not committing stupid penalties like personal fouls or throwing guys out of bounds or roughing the punter. You know, if they don't do things like that, then they get off the field a little bit quicker. But B, if the offense doesn't give the ball back immediately after forcing turnovers, too many short drives, just nothing sustained, nothing to really get the defense off the field and give them a breather. So they just – defense just backs up against the wall in a corner all day. Offense did not do a very good job of adjusting. The pass game was a little more efficient. Milton went 11 for 16, and Travis went 5 for 6. So that's good. Granted, the five turnovers between the two of them, four attributed to Milton, aren't great. Travis's really didn't matter that much. It was Hail Mary at the end of the first half, so that one is what it is. It's kind of a moot point, but it still counts in the box score. Milton's were pretty much all in relatively crucial points. You know, there's an interception immediately after forcing a turnover. Then throws an interception trying to make something happen later in the game. Fumbles in the end zone on a QB sneak. Fumbles again at the end of the game or near the end of the game. Just turnovers in crunch time. I think he was trying to do too much. You know, he didn't do bad throwing the ball. I just think he tried to make plays and tried to force the ball in there a couple times and, and made bad reads, which that stuff happens when you're playing from behind. But not something you want to see. Um, I don't think the defense played all that bad. Jermaine Johnson played well again. Our secondary struggled again. Um, Derek McClendon has really come on well. I, I like him as the other end or Fox or however they want to use him. Him and, and Jermaine Johnson have really done a good job rushing the passer and in the run game. Um. And again, just too many penalties, too many turnovers. You know, good football teams that win games don't make those mistakes. And when you look at the times in which FSU made them, they're crucial points in the game, you know. And you can you can count the fourth down turnover. You know, it's a turnover on downs as well. The go driving in your own into opponent territory with a chance to cut the, the game to two scores. And you make your quarterback with one leg run the ball on fourth and two. And, like, I, I kind of understand the philosophy of you get the extra blocker. They're probably not expecting Milton to run the ball. But when you have Trayshawn Ward and Deshaun Corbin in the backfield, I would much rather see the football in the hands of either of those guys. And I just I didn't think the play call itself was overly creative. If you wanted to do a quarterback run, I felt like there was probably better – things that you could have done or you probably could have gone with like a straight speed option and given the opportunity to pitch the ball and use him as a decoy essentially or just I don't know that I gotta feel like there would have been other more creative and more challenging looks for the defense to handle at that point of the game in that big of a spot um and then the other turnover is like Milton just trying to make things happen or making bad reads. Turning the ball over directly after forcing turnovers is bad. Uh, Deshaun Corbin's been good this season, but you got to keep two hands on the football when running through traffic. You know, that's that's pretty basic. Um, you know, and it's 
it's things like that where guys just have mental lapses. You know, everybody, every running back goes through the drill where you get hit with the pads with two hands on the football and the staff makes him carry around footballs filled up with sand or water or whatever during the off season, you know, to teach ball security. But then you get in the game and you revert to something like that and it's a turnover. It's just, just things that don't carry over. And, and this week Norvell's talked about in his interviews some of about it's been a reoccurring theme. It was, I know, in 2017 under Coach uh, Fisher, and then again we're hearing it this year where guys are doing things properly in practice and they're executing things properly in practice and it's not carrying over to the game. They're just, they can't make the translation to the field and some of that drop-off is what causes these mental errors, mental mistakes, the lack of execution, just reoccurring themes among underachieving teams that on the surface or on paper seem to have talent but are not playing up to it for a myriad of reasons. Just a really, really frustrating thing to watch because you know there's more potential than what we put on the field. And we can't seem to press the right buttons to get there. And that's one of those things that goes on the players and the coaches. It goes both ways. It's not, you know, blame can be attributed in in lots of different areas when you're playing this poorly. But with that said, I still think we have enough talent to win games. Probably not a ton of them, and I believe in this coaching staff and what their vision is for this program moving forward. To be quite honest, at this point in time, I think I'm actually more concerned about the offense than the defense. I think if the defense can just get itself off the field in third downs, we stop just committing stupid personal foul penalties. Or if we just, you know, had played <laughs> had played a cover three defense against Jacksonville State, we probably have a win. And I'd see things that the defenses run well, done well. I think they just got ran down and and tired against Wake Forest. They just had the ball for so long. They ran the ball a lot. Wake did run for over two hundred yards, two twenty five on the ground. So. A lot of run yards to them, but a lot of it came off of quarterback scrambles and just pure, you know, pushing the run game, pushing the run game, because pretty much every play they ran was an RPO. Um, it'd be nice to see FSU kind of steal some concepts, maybe try to incorporate the RPO into our offense a little bit more. thought we did a better job in the past game being a little bit more efficient and effective. Um, I liked the bunch three receiver look that they used to get Pokey Wilson free on the touchdown. That was nice. It'd be nice to see them maybe use that a little bit more as a decoy. You can run that same route uh, with one receiver going deep. It allows maybe a guy to go on a crosser over the middle or another guy to go short underneath, get a, a drag route. You can use those formations to confuse the defense and cause defensive backs to run into each other to create space and separation for receivers and get playmakers in space. Um, you know, guys like Keyshawn Helton, Malik McLean, Andrew Parchment with the ball in their hands in space can make things happen. So it'd be nice if FSU would use works, use looks that work in order to create more positive plays and, and easier 
chunk plays for the offense, especially through the air. We never really – it felt like we never really established the run game. Um, Trayshawn Ward's got to get more carries. And he had eight for 46. We've seen Jayshon Corbin go over 100 the last two games and just not getting those two guys the ball a ton, not featuring looks with both of them in the backfield that caused the defense to have to key on both of them. I think not doing stuff like that's kind of a mistake. You have two good, really – really good running backs with different strengths in their game and you can use them to feed off each other. And I just, I feel like we're maybe not utilizing the both of those guys to the highest potential and exploiting the most production that we can out of them. Um, just general lack of creativity, to be honest, kind of surprised. We haven't seen more two quarterback looks actually put both you know Milton and Travis in the backfield and just cause problems for the defense there's no reason that we couldn't run a pitch play or, or an RPO with Jordan Travis where he essentially acts the running back and just you know we, we run design run plays both quarterbacks anyways so I don't see why not do that and cause problems for the defense as far as like who to key and who to assign to and, and who to watch throwing the ball when you have two different options to do so. And speaking of the quarterback position, I really don't think either of the guys that we're playing right now is the answer. I Mackenzie Milton is not the Mackenzie Milton that he was at UCF. As unfortunate as that is, he's a great story of pure will and perseverance. And you can never not have respect for someone who went what went through what he did and came back and found his way back to the football field and is playing, you know, for a power five school starting games, throwing touchdowns. But he just he's not the same guy. He doesn't look like it. And it could just be rust. It could just be that he needs more playing time. But I, I think it's time to see what Chubba Purdy has. I, he, I think he's probably the best pure athlete out of the quarterback room. He's probably got the most arm talent out of the quarterback room. I just I want that's the guy I want to see on the field. I just, that's really where I think that it's time to go. We're already zero and three. We don't have a, a lot to lose. Year two in the system, he should be capable of running it. You would hope so. I would like to see him play more down the stretch. I think that would maybe hopefully open up the offense. <laughs> um, and going back to not establishing the run game as well, we were missing center Maurice Smith and left tackle Robert Scott. I think getting both of those guys back and well, possibly getting both those guys back this week would be huge. Going Scott, Robert Scott at left tackle, not Brady Scott. He did not play very well against Wake Forest. But going Robert Scott at left tackle, Dylan Gibbons at left guard, Marie Smith at center, Devontae Love-Taylor at right guard, and Darius Washington at right tackle, I think is our best offensive lineup for the offensive line. I think that's the one that's performed the best and will give us the best chance to move the ball consistently. Offensive line play is still lacking, but it's better than what it has been in previous years. And I think actually getting our whole offensive line and, and getting the fully healthy unit back this week will be very beneficial against Louisville. I think going forward, it's going to be important that we establish the run game early and often in the game. 
that's what we really need to hang our hat on is what we've shown the ability to do most consistently and effectively, especially if we're going to continue with our rotating carousel quarterbacks, then running the football consistently. And because we do have a very good running back room is something that we should hang our hat on on offense. Um, Coach Norvell has talked about in his interviews this week, you know, finding and establishing a team identity, something that I've talked about before and I've pinpointed the run game on the offensive side of the ball. And then on defense, the stopping the run, the ability to stop the run and the ability to rush the passer to stronger points of our defense. I think our defensive line is our best unit. Our front seven has, has shown the ability to be effective. Um, you look at Keir Thomas, Fabian Lovett, Robert Cooper, Jermaine Johnson, who I've talked about, you know, again and again, has just been really, really good all year long. Um, then you add in Derek McClendon, another guy that I like that I've talked about as well. Just we have options, guys who can rush the pass. And that's the name Marcus Cushney, who was transferred from Alabama and in this offseason, and he hasn't really gotten a whole lot of run yet. Um He's another very good player. Dennis Briggs has done a little bit as well. There's plenty of options to run the passer, rush the passer. And we have done a relatively good job stopping the run. Um, Mari Gaynor, Kalen Deloach have played well on the second level of the defense. Uh, not having Deloach for the first half of the Wake Forest game definitely didn't help. So just establishing an identity. And, and consistently using that's going to be huge. And on offense, Treshawn Ward, Treshawn Corbin, those are your playmakers, those are the guys you go with. On defense, Jermaine Johnson leads the charge. Let Derek McClendon follow in behind him. Um, as far as on defense, FSU's third in the ACC, and they're 12th nationally with 8.3 tackles per loss for, per game. And Jermaine Johnson's actually first in the NCAA with two, 2.3 tackles per loss per game on average and is the only guy in the ACC averaging over two tackles for loss per game. Um, they've FSU's defense has had over eight tackles per loss in each of its games this year. So the ability to stop the run and to get negative plays is definitely there, but we keep getting burned in pass coverage. We keep getting burned in man coverage missing assignments, making mistakes, making dumb penalties that, that don't allow us to get off the field. And then, you know, on offense, we do much of the same. And on third downs against Wake Forest, offense is 1 for 6 and 0 for 1 on fourth down. So we're not converting drives to stay on the field, and we're doing a bad job in getting off the field, and it's mostly because of penalties. So just allowing teams to extend drives, and then conversely, not being able to extend drives only is going to put your defense in worse positions and it's not going to allow your offense to gain rhythm and and use different play calls and different looks to, to move the ball. And that's a lot of what we saw against Wake Forest, just sloppy and undisciplined play, lack of execution, just a bad football team doing the things that bad football teams do. So moving on, it'll be interesting to see how this team reacts and responds. You hope it's positively, but they came out flat even after losing to Jacksonville State. 
hopefully back at home this week, 3.30 game against Louisville. Louisville's a solid team. They got whacked by Ole Miss the first game of the season, but Ole Miss looks like they're really, really good. Um, Wake Forest, oh, sorry. Louisville then beat UCF last week after a last-minute pick six. So they're coming off a big win at home. Coming in, Doug Campbell looking to kick Florida State while they're down. You know, teams get up to play us regardless of how good we are. You know, the the brand matters, and a lot of these guys, maybe the Louisvilles and Wake Forest of the world, didn't really get recruited by FSU because FSU might have thought they weren't good enough to come here, so they come in with a chip on their shoulder. So those are just lots of different dynamics and variables coming in, and if this team these guys don't have the right mentality if they're not ready to go with you know from the first whistle from kickoff then they're probably gonna get punched in the mouth the same way they did last week same way they have the past couple weeks we saw what they can do against Notre Dame when they come out and they're ready to play and they're ready to go and they execute for the last two weeks we've seen the ladder we've seen the lapses we've seen all those downturns that that happen when your football team just is not very good. <laughs> and that's the, the sad reality of it. I think the future is still bright. There's still talented young players on this team. Um, there's definitely potential in certain areas. And like you look at last week, that game, probably the score and the total yardage probably look a lot worse than it was. FSU gave up chunk plays on defense, but like I said, penalties and the inability to get off the field, just shooting yourself in the foot. And then on offense, the turnovers, the especially at the end of the game, the fumbled snap, or not fumbled snap, the fumble on the quarterback sneak, and then the, the not getting the fourth down conversion, both of those deep in Wake Forest territory, the quarterback sneak was pretty much on the goal line. That right there makes it 35 to 28 alone. So just, you know, and that's just two small instances that's not even big picture accounting for all the mistakes that we made. So just just things like that, execution issues. The team was, was closer than it looked at the, at the final score, but it's still a 35 to 14 loss to a team that you've historically dominated a week after losing to an FCS program for the first time in school history. So there's there's still a lot of issues to unpack there. And overall takeaways from the Wake Forest game, you know, I've, I've harped on it again and again with the penalties since the Notre Dame game. Got to clean those up. There's way too many of them. Then this week it was the turnovers mixed in. This is our worst game running the ball. We were playing from behind the whole time. Pass game was more effective and more efficient. Um, didn't see a ton of improvement from the defense. It feels like they're kind of doing the same things and making the same mistakes over and over again, playing well against the run, doing good in pass rush, and then getting burned and missing assignments in the secondary. Um, Wake Forest has a really good offensive line. Didn't feel like we would got a ton of push on the defensive line last week. We weren't getting pushed off of the ball. But we also weren't getting pushed into the backfield, so it was like it felt like it was a lot of stalemates. And the Wake Forest running backs did a good job of being patient and finding holes. 
which made that look a little worse than it was. But more of the same in a lot of different areas. So just, you know, watch film, figure out mistakes, move on. Um, not sure what the rest of the season holds. I've already overestimated the talent and abilities of this roster, so I'm not going to continue to do that and to paint a prettier picture than it really is. But there's certainly things that we can take and use to be effective and hopefully win football games. Miami's not very good, so we're going to have a chance to beat them. UMass is still on our schedule, so those both help. Other than that, our schedule looks relatively formidable based on what other teams have done this year. So not overly optimistic at this point. The way we played and the reoccurrence of the same mistakes throughout all three games, especially the last two weeks, but there's still a lot of football left to be played. And I think the future is bright. As far as recruiting goes, you know, we've got a, a top 10 recruiting class. The rankings really don't matter. And I think a lot of our, our players that are in our class are undervalued. The guys like Devon Mortimer, uh, Brian Courtney, Omar Graham, uh, Dachi Richardson. There's a lot of players that are undervalued. Uh, Rod- Rodney Hill comes to mind as well. And then you've got your Travis Hunters and A.J. Duffy's and Sam McCall's. And all those guys have said they're locked in. Um, you know, Travis has been vocal on social media. And kind of what I've been telling people who hit the knee-jerk reactions, oh, we're losing games, everybody's going to decommit, everything's going to go so... Uh, it's, it's not really like that. What happens with recruiting is it's a very relationship-based medium. So a lot of times when decommitments happen, mass decommitments from staff, it's not when we lose games. It's when you make staff changes and those relationships suddenly are gone. Because kids aren't committing to schools as much as they're committing to staffs and the relationships that they have. And the conventional wisdom is that, oh, don't commit to a coach, commit to a school. But in reality, we know that's not how it is. We don't recruit kids just to go to school there, it's a little bit of both. You know, they're sold on the facilities and the environment and the traditions and the academics and et cetera, but it's it's all about relationships. It's all about how these high school kids relate to these coaches and where they feel most comfortable. And our recruiting pitch at FSU is fit and family. And so we're bringing in players that have the proper fit that are going to be a part of the culture that we want to establish going forward. So I think once those guys start to come in and integrate and make plays, you'll see that probably over the next two to three seasons. It's probably not going to be right away. Um, Guys like Travis Hunter, Sam McCall might have instant impact next year. But I wouldn't uh, hang hang my hat on a ton of that outside of those guys because they're really elite players. A.J. Duffy may have a shot. He's going to be an early enrollee. He might have a shot to compete for the starting job as a true freshman. But I think what we're going to see with recruiting is 
the top tier players that we're going after, you know, the Kevin Coleman's, Jaleel Skinner's, Elijah Pritchett's, Julian Armella's, Javante Barnes of the world, those guys probably won't come here because they don't want to go to losing programs. But the guys that we already have committed are going to be locked in and we might have to turn to the transfer portal or maybe to quote unquote backup options who are still very talented players in order to replace them or to fill those scholarship spots more so than replace them, just moving down the board a little bit. But I don't think we're going to see a ton of decommitments. So I think we hang on to, to the recruiting class that we do have, and I think there's a lot of talent in there. And like I said, the staff is focused very much on the character of the kid that they're bringing in just as much as the player finding the right fit to bring into your family is kind of how we're looking at that. So I, there's there's potential and there's hope moving forward beyond this season. But as far as this season goes, there's still certainly lots of mistakes to clean up, lots of things that we can do better. Um, with all that said, there will be a Louisville preview podcast in the next couple of days. So be on the lookout for that. This has been another episode of Believe in FSU Football Football from Believe Podcast. As always, peace out and go Knowles. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.